This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 159. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lum Ramiasha, and today we've got a need for speed. We are Maka Go Go Goen into a fantastic discussion of the classic manga by Tatsuo Yoshida, Speed Racer, also known by its original WSA, Maka Go Go Go. We are discussing the original manga, and we have a great guest discussion with Joey Weiser, who we're also discussing their new comic, also happened to be a racing comic, Dragon Racer. So it's a great conversation today where you get a double billing of two high-speeding, fast-flying, super-awesome racing manga and comics. So definitely enjoy our discussion on Speed Racer and Dragon Racer. It was a lot of fun to talk about it with Joey, and I think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to the discussion and checking them out afterward. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this podcast in particular. It, it, it was something that... Uh, you know, because I really wanted to have Joey on to uh, talk about Dragon Racer in particular, and I also thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about Speed Racer, since, uh, a- as you'll hear in the podcast, the original Speed Racer mock go-go-go manga uh, might have had some influence on Dragon Racer, you know, if, if it wasn't already obvious. Uh, I mean, amongst mm-hmm. uh, amongst all the other things that, like, uh, Joey kind of pulled influence from that I thought were really interesting. But again, we, we go over a lot of that in our discussion here in a sec. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really fun podcast. And uh, I, I mean, in general, I, I just like when we get to talk about more uh, retro classic manga. I love it when we have the chance to do stuff like this. Yeah, indeed. It's always fun to shed a spotlight on the classics, especially a manga like Speed Racer that... People really are only familiar with the reputation, with the idea of it in popular culture. But when you revisit the original, you'll be surprised at the kind of stuff you will find. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we shouldn't waste any more time, and I think we should get this uh, this race started. Yeah, once again, let's maka go 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 into our discussion of Speed Racer and Dragon Racer. All right, racers, on your marks. Get set. Go! Here he comes, here comes Dragon Racer. He's a river dragon on wheels. He's a river dragon and he's been a chasing after everyone. He's got a lot to prove and hog power on his side. He's been busy decorating up the Vine Gale for a ride. And when time's running out for a friend, it is something only he can do. You better bet your life Dragon Racer's gonna make it through. Go Dragon Racer! Go Dragon Racer! Go Dragon Racer! Go! He's up and flying his rides down on the mountain grass. He's pushing straight ahead through the brush and never looking back. Eyes on the village just ahead. Go Dragon Racer, go Dragon Racer, go Dragon Racer, go! That's right. <laughs> In case you can't tell from that song parody, we are not only going to be talking about 
Joey Weiser's new comic Speed Race, I mean Dragon Racer, but we are also <laughs> talking about the original Speed Racer manga from Tatsuo Yoshida. And we're very excited to be joined by Joey to discuss both series. Joey, thank you for coming on. Yeah, wow, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty blown away too. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is exciting. I mean, we're covering two racing comics on the show, one uh, classic and one, Joey, your newest comic. And I think we're going to be really excited to discuss maybe some of the influence Speed Racer had on Dragon Racer and in general, just some of the influences you had in creating Dragon Racer and the comic itself. But also, Speed Racer is an interesting title for us to cover on the show. I'm glad we're returning to covering some classic titles, and this is an incredibly important title in anime manga history, especially in popularizing anime and manga overseas. This is such a historic franchise, and we definitely won't be able to dig into all the history, because the history of Tatsu Yoshida and Tatsunoko Productions and this franchise is very long and storied. But I think talking about this manga, this original manga itself, we're going to have a lot to say about yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess um, before we get into anything, um, for 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 those who have been living under a rock, and I don't know, I, I say that, and maybe this is something we'll talk about in a little bit, but I I legitimately don't know like how many people nowadays actually know what Speed Racer is still. Hmm. You know, that's interesting because I think Speed Racer as a name and as iconography, people will recognize even if they have not seen the series itself because it has been so parodied so often in a lot of pop culture. Like, there's been plenty of Robot Chicken sketch on Speed Racer. There's been plenty of joke on all sorts of different sitcoms and animated shows. Yeah. I, myself, have never watched an episode of Speed Racer until... After reading this manga, I got curious to finally watch it. In my childhood, I never had seen an episode of Speed Racer. And the extent of my impressions of it were from Pop Culture Parodies Under Show, particularly the Dexter's Lab episode Mach 5, which is one of my favorite episodes of Dexter's Lab. And it's great. It is a good one. It was the same for me. I hadn't seen the show. I think maybe I had caught it like once or twice, but like I really hadn't seen the show growing up at all, but I knew it as a reference. Mm -hmm. Like... Uh, you yeah, you'd see jokes about it. I knew about its sort of like fast style of dubbing where yeah. people would talk real fast and then laugh, haha, or whatever. <laughs> and like I knew about its kind of sort of stiff, jerky animation style and stuff because I saw it parodied so many times and I knew it as a reference. But I never actually really saw the show until later in my life and didn't even know it was a manga until later in my life too. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting that that cultural presence that it has. No, yeah, that's interesting. I I guess I'm the only one here who. So I I have vivid memories of like catching Speed Racer reruns on Cartoon Network, mm. like like re, like really late at night when I was younger, and like I would just you know there, there'd be nights where like maybe I'm not tired and I couldn't get to sleep, and I would just have Cartoon Network on at like midnight or whatever or later. And there'd be reruns of Speed Racer on, and I would watch those. So I definitely have memories of watching it on Cartoon Network, like like before Adult Swim was ever a thing, you know. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this was back when they would just 
aired that kind of stuff, plus like whatever Hanna Barbera cartoons they had or whatever. Back when mm-hmm. they were still twenty four seven Cartoon Network, yeah, they play as especially after they got the originals and they started playing them more. They push a lot of the classic programming into the later hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I have every memories of that kind of thing as a kid. But yeah, I mean, like you guys said, I. I I mostly knew it from like all the cartoons that would like do parodies of it or whatever, and so um, like outside of that, like you know, Speed Speed Racer is not a thing I really ever thought about. I I think until like un- until like a few years ago when we were getting ready to talk to Joey for the first time on the podcast, and I I had recently just kind of wondered like, hey, is there like a like what what what's the manga for this like or whatever cuz i i think i knew that the manga existed and i was kind of interested in checking it out and then i i saw that in 2008 and i i made sure to double check this cuz i was curious i'd have to double check the dates again cuz i don't remember off the top of my head but i know that the, the this release from uh, from digital manga publishing dmp in particular uh, was also around the same time that the live-action Speed Racer movie from the Wachowski siblings uh, came out in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was what it was really the big thing for me. Um, like, I kind of knew Speed Racer as a reference, and I thought it was cool because I was kind of always into sort of 60s, 70s kitsch type stuff, but I never really, like, I yeah, like I said, saw it once or twice, and then um that movie like it just looked so weird by the trailers and i to be honest was kind of like over the matrix and stuff so i wasn't so interested in what the wachowskis were doing but like it looked interesting and so i went to it kind of and we're going to talk about the movie i think at a later date at uh so i won't get too into yes. it but like yeah uh stay stay, stay tuned for that <laughs> but like the the short of it is that i was blown away by the movie when i ended up seeing it and ended up seeing it like multiple times in the theaters and then again uh, multiple times on home video and stuff and really really loved the movie and then i think that you know spurred me to like go seek out uh, the manga, which I got this DMP collection, which is so weird that it's DMP. It's like the nicest thing that I've ever seen that they've put out. Oh, yeah. definitely. Um, and like, um, and caught like even found, you know, tracked some of the Japanese episodes down and watched those to see what that was like. And yeah, that it definitely like all kind of came from the movie more recently in my life. Yeah, 2008, I think was probably a big year to revitalize interest in Speed Racer because of the movie like so i think dmp definitely took the opportunity to license the manga around then because that's when interest was at its highest that was also when they made a new animated series as well speed racer next generation that aired on nicktoons and i watched both that and the previous one that was made in the late 90s speed racer x like even though i had not seen the original i did catch those reruns of those sequel shows Though I can't necessarily tell you anything about it, but I do remember catching those. But it has been quite a bit since the last time there has been like a Speed Racer show, but it's not that far off in recent memory because Speed Racer Next Generation ended in 2013. So it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long since the last Speed Racer thing. Yeah, and you know Funimation put out that crazy box set yeah. that i say box but it's the shape of oh, the speed shape racer's head, head. <laughs> uh, yeah so it's a sort of notorious thing that is also kind of cost prohibitive so like 
I I, th- I do think that the legacy of Speed Racer at the moment is most like tied into the movie, which yeah. I think a lot of people have kind of come around on and hold it in really high praise. Yeah, I think the movie is most accessible for a lot of people. It's pretty easy to find and watch in digital platforms. And the sh- original show, I mean, the first season, Dubs, is on Funimation's app. But, like, only the complete first season's on the app. Because if you try to watch it on browser, there are weird... Most of the episodes are missing for some reason. And it's weird, too, because a lot of the, obviously, episodes of the show are multi-parters. So you'll have, like, the first part of an episode missing or the second part missing. And it's weird. It's like, why are these gaps here when you're watching on browser? But it's all here when you're watching on the app. And, of course, that doesn't include, like the second season of the show it doesn't include like the japanese version so you know funimation hasn't necessarily made it that easy for people to readily watch i mean it it is but i mean it's only on their service which you know is not the best streaming service i think i might have found the dub for it on tubi tv at one point i'll have Mm. to double check that but yeah i mean it is that, that that's that's one of my things with this show, right? Is that I, I was interested in like going back and watching the show, and I mean, you know, the dub obviously is is still I would think I would say very iconic and has its own charm. Um, but you know, as someone who is slightly more interested in the original Japanese version of the show, yeah, it is it is kind of a pain in the ass, quite frankly, to like. You know, to to have it only available via this box set, basically, th- with a bunch of other stuff that, like, honestly, I'm not really that interested in owning. I just want the original show. And, you know, if you're, if you're somebody like that, then, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, again, it's a pain in the ass to try to collect. You know, it's interesting. I just checked Tubi, and it seems like they have all of Next Generation in Spanish, and then they have, like, this 2016... They have, like, a 2013 Speed Racer movie that's also only in Spanish, and then they have, like, a 2016... It looks like CG Speed Racer movie? Huh. Man, I love Tubi. It's such a, like, dumping ground. (laughs) (laughs) I love that service. Such weird stuff on there. But soon that dumping ground will have Dr. Slump of some kind. Of some sort, maybe, <laughs> someday. Yeah. Uh, I'm still I'm also still waiting for those Anpan Man movies Anpan that they Man. announced. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll get those. <laughs> um but yeah, no, the, I mean the the legacy of Speed Racer and like where it kind of stands in pop culture is definitely like the thing I've been kind of thinking about over the week as I've been kind of, like, going through the manga, because, like, it it really feels like, I guess without, I mean, I guess without that movie, you know, over ten years ago at this point, um, as I wither away into dust, um, <laughs> I guess without that movie, it would be even more obscure? I mean, I feel like without that movie, we'd, we'd be, like, a part of the last generation to ever be able to, like, experience the show through reruns, even. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think people remember that movie more than the show at this point. Yeah, it would probably be, like, held up by Tatsunoko. Even Tatsunoko people don't really, like, talk about it that much because they tend to be more into the sort of superhero mecha-type stuff. Gotcha Man and Kashan. Like, I don't think Speed Racers and G-Force. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's a shame. 
I will I will say the one thing that I am kind of glad about when it comes to Speed Racer is that, uh, and I mean, th- this is a whole other thing entirely, but like uh, talking about, you know, those uh, those parodies of Speed Racer. I mean, they weren't really just parodies of Speed Racer, but they were also just kind of parodies of like what people just kind of assumed anime was all the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think that really led to this stereotype of anime where it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a. It's just a lot of really weird cartoons with really fast talking all the time, ha, huh? or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I feel like we've kind of moved away from that finally. So that, that's kind of the one thing I'm glad about when it comes to, when it comes to Speed Racer's legacy, honestly. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think that's earned uh, to some extent because that dub is like pretty bizarrely paced. Yeah. And the animation itself, even if you look at the Japanese version, is like that animates really strange. It's like there will be really great drawings that even will have like airbrushing and kind of like uh, interesting renderings, but then it's very stiff, you know. Um, so it's yeah, it's not like you know, <laughs> this ain't Attack on Titan. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my impression of the show after finally watching it recently. It's that actually, like, I think well, I don't know what masters they're using, but that it looks really good, like the quality of the art, but like the actual animation, it is very stilted. It is pose to pose a lot of the time, and they definitely use a lot of shortcuts. And yeah, to say nothing of the dubbing. I mean, in Peter Fernandez's introduction at the beginning of this first volume, like they talk about they only had a budget for three voice actors for all the characters, <laughs> and then he split his salary so that he could hire on another guy, so there are four total for all the characters in the show and yeah it's clear that i mean these actors are definitely talented but in terms of the script adaptation it's a little stilted with some awkward dialogue they had a need to over explain or reiterate things a lot and they definitely talk very fast to fit things within lip flaps or however long a scene was so it is very awkward and i think that awkwardness is probably why it was in part so memorable for a lot of people and why we kept seeing those anime pop cultural parodies in those vein because just that style of adaptation for this show was just so strange but in, in somewhat of a charming endearing way yeah and knowing that it was such a small like they had so such small resources and fernandez himself like co-wrote some of the scripts and was a voice director and stuff so like he knowing that it's such a small crew and that they were all so hands-on actually makes me kind of respect it more than when i was a kid and it was just like uh this trash you know (laughs) the way it was kind of you know made fun of a lot uh the fact that it is kind of really scrappy and was uh put together uh the best they could with what they had you know is pretty cool yeah no and honestly i think that a lot of the parodies were very reductive on like the actual experience of watching the show because yeah it is often very stilted and awkward but there are also generally great moments of acting and there are some really cool dialogue and of course none of the pop culture parodies really touch upon just how out there the show could be and Mm. the crazy places it goes like none of the pop culture parodies i've ever seen in the show prepared me for uh, the kind of over-the-top action and violence this series actually indulges in. No, not at all. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was going to say earlier, in terms of the animation, because I I watched the first two episodes earlier today, and, um, you know, I will say it it definitely is, like, you know, very stiff, but 
I would say the overall overall like production of the show is like like a notch above like any Hanna Barbera cartoon possibly. Mm. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. another thing about this show. Like when you think about why it hit so big when it came out stateside, is what other cartoon was like Speed Racer that was airing on North American. TV at the time, because with the Hanna-Barbera stuff, like when this came out in the 60s, like there was all like, you know, comedies about like silly animals or whatnot. And you had a sitcom like the Flintstones, but you didn't have like an action packed serial show like Speed Racer. Like there wasn't competition in this vein in terms of other animated programming. This is well before Johnny Quest. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Johnny Quest is the closest thing that I could compare it to, I think. Yeah, and even afterwards, like, a lot of the action shows would be, like, superhero-type shows, but nothing like Speed Racer, which is, like, a racing action show. Like, it stands out as very unique in that way. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's even kind of unique even today, uh, arguably. Uh, but I was uh, I was also saying, like, I, I'd, say it's, I'd say it's better than most Hanna-Barbera shows, but, like, obviously it's not, like, it's not, like, Disney-quality animation. Like, I think I was looking it up because I was curious, but uh, around the same time that, like, Speed Racer was on air in Japan, like, you know, D- Disney had just put out, like, The Jungle Book. Yeah, but that's comparing TV with theatrical. That's a completely different ballpark. That That's true. Yeah, that's apples and oranges. Yeah, there's a bunch of really beautifully animated Japanese films from that time period. Mm-hmm. Like The White Serpent and stuff that, um, yeah. Yeah. And again, we we probably won't like go too much into like the actual history of Speed Racer because there's a lot to cover, and we're kind of more interested in like talking about the actual comic and just in general. But I will say one thing that I did not know while kind of like doing at least a little research on Speed Racer and its origins was I had no idea that Tatsuo Yoshida, you know, the creator of Speed Racer and a bunch of different comics, was also one of like the founders of Tatsunoko Productions. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that was kind of like the biggest surprise, like in doing my research. Um, and we'll also leave a link in the show notes because uh, right before the show, I was kind of reading up on uh, a really extensive article on SciFiJapan.com that I think was written around the time the uh, the live action movie came out. We'll uh, we'll leave a link to it in the show notes because uh, I thought it was a very comprehensive history of like Speed Racer and the origins of Tatsunoko Productions and. You know, what the Yoshida brothers had to do in order to, like, you know, basically start an entire animation studio from scratch. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I don't think it can be understated how influential and important Tatsuya Yoshida was for the development of anime as the phenomenon we know it today worldwide. Like, I think his influence definitely rivals and is as important as Tezuka's. Yeah, for sure. Because um, that, that was my thing, too, that I was kind of thinking about because I was I was thinking like, uh, because obviously, uh, in our generation, we have, we're, we're so used to stuff like, you know, so I guess used to talking about stuff like Dragon Ball or One Piece or whatever stuff that we can clearly see that like has an influence on like other like anime and comics and other television shows that we all like, and we can clearly see the influence there. But yeah, I was I, I was kind of thinking about like, like thinking and comparing that to like maybe the influence that Speed Racer has had and I'm not sure if like the show itself has has had much influence on like you know the stuff that we consume now but I I do think you're right in that like uh, as far as like 
animation goes. Like, it's definitely, like, a staple of, like, how animation has grown. Yeah, reading this early manga are always interesting because occasionally you'll come across something that doesn't really work very well or isn't very, like, elegant or whatever. And you really see them kind of creating uh, the form, you know, right there. And, and so while probably a lot of your favorite manga authors won't cite Speed Racer as, like, a direct influence on them, I think it did, like, eventually lead to other big action comics that have influenced comics today. Yeah, definitely part of the lineage. I am definitely curious to see in Japanese pop culture how well-remembered Speed Racer is, because I don't know if it's necessarily as well-remembered as like other Tatsunoko series in Japan as it is overseas. But regardless, I do think... At Speed Racer, for like Western animation in particular, in terms of this kind of action and this kind of impression of like anime, like we can definitely see it's through the pop culture parodies that, you know, remained resonant. Like I was watching a Futurama episode earlier. I was nearing the end of my Futurama rewatch and an episode from 2013 has a Speed Racer parody. It's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this definitely left a legacy and an impact and it influenced a lot of... Uh, media that came after it no yeah for sure but uh i guess we should probably get into like just talking about the comic in general and i mean i guess maybe for the people who don't know what we're talking about whatsoever lum do you want to give like just a small uh summary of like what speed racer actually is speed racer is about a driven young man named speed who's quite a go-gutter and he wants to be a pro racer and the best racer in the world and so he goes on a ton of races with a bunch of kind of asshole rivals and (laughs) uh, sometimes foils criminal organizations who are trying to use the races for their own nefarious ends and Oftentimes is assisted by Racer X, who, a mysterious masked racer who is said to bring crashes whenever he races, but secretly is a secret police agent who is also Speed's long-lost older brother in disguise, who is always helping Speed out during these races. Yeah, and I think a, a, an important element of this is that his family runs this sort of like small racing company that's just, you know, basically just Speed and his dad and, and his mom and uh, and brothers. And, and so like, it has a very like strong kind of family element where he's always kind of having to sneak around behind his dad's back or have his dad kind of support him in one way or another. And that ties in to Racer X as well. I mean... We could probably just go ahead, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Racer X is secretly Speed's brother. What? No way. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you not read the last page? <laughs> Racer X is Rex? Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I think that's that's a, a big element of the comic as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so actually, oh, just, uh, pr- probably a fun fact that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but, uh, I think I saw it in, uh, on a wiki page somewhere. I, f- I forget if it was for Speed Racer's actual wiki page or somewhere, but, uh, and, and Joey, you could tell me what you think of this as someone who is a huge fan of, uh, old Japanese cinema. Uh, one, one thing we should point out is that, you know, obviously, we're 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 gonna we're gonna be using like dub names probably all throughout this d- discussion because that's 
you know, that's what that's just what what's used in the English release. Um, but uh, Speed Racer's original name is uh, Go Mifune, and mm-hmm. I've seen the theory posited out there that that's supposed to be like a a reference or a homage to um, what's his name? Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, popular actor. Uh, especially, yeah, in that time period, uh, Toshiro Mifune and a lot of Kurosawa's movies, uh, famously in Seven Samurai. And um, yeah, I couldn't help but think about that. Um, I think it's also worth noting that his name is Go. The the um, title uh, in Japanese is Mak Go Go Go. And Go is kind of a pun on the, the number five uh, is pronounced Go in Japanese. And so he drives the Mach 5. And it goes along with also the English word go, meaning to go fast or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I really like all the sort of wordplay with five and go that goes throughout the concept, I guess I should say. I think go, 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 like, is supposed to also be like the sound effect of like the engine rumbling in Japanese as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, that I love the sound effects in that very first color page. They're really uh, good. Where yeah. They're kind of wrapping around the track and it's go, 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 go. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that too. Yeah, it's a very clever, like, multi-layered pun in the title. <laughs> the Japanese really love their puns, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, um, I guess just to kind of start it off, um, how, how, how do we feel about this comic going in, just, like, our first impressions and whatnot? I was instantly impressed by Yoshida's art. Like, I mean, Joey pointed out that beautiful page with the sound effects wrapping around the racetrack i think that yoshida's art in his action sequencing in general is just incredibly strong and striking to like that very first rate when speed like you know to convey just that sense of like act uh speed and also just kind of to communicate like the cars racing against each other and how relatively fast they're going and just that is it's through like kind of you know a still medium that is comics just using panels like it, it was very very entertaining like obviously in animation you know you can show the scale of the world you know in a less fragmented way and you can use actual you know the timing of the animation to communicate how fast character is going but to be able to do that so effectively like through the segment just through you know a series of panels and just drew like these kind of dynamic compositions was very striking to me. And that was like the main thing as I read Speed Racer is that I just love just the action sequences in the comic. Like I think Yoshida is incredibly strong with them, not just in the racing scenes, but also in the very many fist fights and gun play scenes. Like it, it's a really entertaining action packed story. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think I felt the same way. I, I definitely think all the fist fights in the comic are are really well done. Um, I I definitely tweeted about a lot of them when I was uh, when I was reading through this. There are a lot of really great compositions too. Like in the later part of the first chapter, I really like this panel showing Speed being like way far ahead of his competitors. Like he. Yoshida breaks up like this big long vertical panel with like kind of a tree branch kind of cutting across in between. And I like that as not only a compositional choice to create a striking image, but also to communicate just that layer of distance and also time between speed and the racers that are trailing behind him. This is on page 58. And like that 
kind of art in this series that was used to cleverly communicate those ideas of space and time to really sell the intensity of these races was what really impressed me like going into it yeah so i guess just general impressions this is my second time reading it through beginning to end um i originally got this collection not right when it came out but maybe a year or two afterwards so yeah probably about 10 years ago and you know i think i came away from it being like that was interesting uh you know that's that's an old manga it's not really i mean i love old manga but i i just kind of was like that that was an interesting thing like historical piece of uh fiction to read basically (laughs) um but didn't really like come away with it being my favorite comic or anything like that and then i did take this out and referenced it pretty heavily when i was uh getting ready to draw a dragon racer which we'll talk about later but um so I looked through it uh, more there and kind of was impressed by some of the framing and things like that. But actually reading it through again, um, yeah, I was I was very impressed with it. I think that kind of going along with what we've said about the animation in the cartoon, I do think that sometimes the art is very stiff. Yeah. It kind of goes back and forth a little bit. Like, mm. um, And I do think a lot of the fist fights and, and out of car action is cool, but I often will prefer the car action to it which is surprising to me i would i could very well see this being a thing where it's like well you know the the car scenes are kind of stiff and they're fine they get you from they get you the concept of the book but it's really like once speed is out and investigating something that it's like really interesting but i really think that they managed to wrap the stories around the actual racing and driving in ways that i don't see in a lot of comics which is really exciting and cool yeah and the drawings themselves like just the character designs and artwork i think is really charming um i really love the way that speed racer in particular is drawn uh yeah so yeah overall impressions is uh, that i think it's a very a very exciting fun action-packed comic to read even if at times it's like a little stiff uh it's always dynamic and like exciting oh yeah see that's interesting joey because uh not that i thought the racing scenes were like bad or something i, I won't say that at all because i do think they're good but uh i i actually was a little more interested in the fist fights actually uh, i i thought those were only always like really scrappy and fun to read um, I forget what chapter it is off the top of my head, but uh, I think it's in the first volume where uh, it's it's that race they have to do through the cave or whatever that has that like giant monster or whatever that they had to yeah. eventually yeah. fight. And uh, one of the asshole racers who I also forget the name of is uh, harassing one of the village girls for like their treasures or whatever. And Speed has to like uh, come in and basically defend her and like fight off all his goons or whatever. Uh, I think I tweeted about that in particular, but uh, I I really liked that fight scene in particular, um, especially and again I mentioned this specifically, but I, I really I really like some of the moments like where uh, Speed is caught from behind by one of the goons, and another one of them is about to like punch him in the face, and then he like kind of dodges out of the way so that like yeah. the goon punches the other goon. Like I re- I really love <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, like there's some good choreography in those fist fight parts for sure. But I'll also concur with Joey that I think 
the highlights of this series for me is definitely like the over-the-top racing stunts. I think the second chapter, Racer X situation, has a lot of my favorite parts because it has Racer X driving backwards through (laughs) a row to get away from reporters. It has him and Speed like jumping over the tops of cars stuck in the mud to get across the road. It has them like drive through a collapsing bridge that like the logs on the bridge are like falling behind them as they drive across and of course it is the chapter that features the car acrobatics team and I love their introduction where they stack their cars (laughs) on top of each other and then they all and then the car at the bottom when they're you know all going back to the ground like one of the cars in the middle like just jumps out and then all the other cars like kind of collapse right in place like it's just I love that kind of crazy over-the-top stuff that the series does. Like, that was so fun. Yeah, you can, like, really see it escalating. Like, it's got that storytelling escalation thing where, like, I think in the first few chapters, there's a lot of, like, racing on actual racetracks uh, or roads. And it's always, like, the most exciting when speed has to go, like, up or down a mountain and go off-road, you know? It's like, oh, man, you know, things are going haywire And then as time goes on, more and more of the actual races themselves are like in a desert or through a cave or, you know, in these kind of environments where there's a lot more obstacles and stuff. And I think that um, the author just like really figured out that that is the most kind of thrilling stuff uh, to depict. Yeah, he puts a lot of races in very interesting, thrilling locations where there'd be a lot of like unique dangers for the character to face. I mean, it definitely begs one to question why this racing association, like, puts all these racers in mortal peril <laughs> so often, and, like, how no one has raised complaints against that, because many racers die in every race in the series, but it's a lot of fun to read, regardless. Yeah. Uh, no guts, no glory, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I will just put out there real quickly, I think my impressions were, like, the same as you guys. Like, I... I was I was pretty enamored with it like from from the get go and I think I feel the same way as Joey did like when he first read it is that I really enjoyed the comic and I think it, I think it's fun but it's also one of those things where it's like you know the, the, there there are some things that um, you know there, there are some criticisms I can make of it which I'm probably going to make in just a second. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not like one of my favorite comics of all time or anything, but it is, mm-hmm. but it, it is like an interesting, like time capsule into like how comics were drawn, like all the way back in the late sixties. And, you know, also it, it's interesting to read this and like, kind of have an idea of like what Yoshida was influenced by in particular. Um, again, referring back to that, uh, sci-fi Japan article that we mentioned earlier, uh, it mentioned that uh, Yoshida was a big fan of like Superman comics in particular, you know, back in the day, and that uh, his comics eventually became so popular that DC like sought him out to actually do his own like run of Superman comics in Japan. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was an interesting. I just pretty much just before starting reading this for the podcast, I went through and read through all of the Bat manga. Ooh. And it really, they did, they were a good, like, companion pieces to themselves. Because that, you know, same era, very, very same kind of feeling of kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, wild, unexpected story turns and things like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Sure. I, I need to read that at some point. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is also definitely... 
I mean, influenced by, you know, secret agents, spy flicks, like James Bond is definitely an influence. And the car has all these tricked out gadgets, like Bond's car and also like Knight Rider and all that stuff. So definitely you could see that influence there too. Like it's definitely of a time of like these action serials that he's taking influence from. Uh, it's interesting you, you mentioned like movie influences and uh, I'll, I'll have to double check. Maybe we can mention this in like community shout outs later. But th- there was a video I had watched called like why speed racer is still good or something. And uh, the, the, the video mentioned specifically like how again, I'll double check this because I forget if it was speed racers outfit or the Mach five in particular, but I, I believe influences to either of those could be traced back to an Elvis film called Viva Las Vegas. Oh, nice. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you can definitely tell, like, uh, you can definitely tell the kind of influences that Yoshida used, like, in this comic. Like, they, he, he wears it on this, uh, on his sleeve, I think, and that's really interesting. Yeah, the, the biggest kind of, like, one of the biggest things in film at the time, uh, in the 60s was Nikatsu Studio did these movies that they called borderless action films, and they were, like, very, very international feeling. They were often very, like, you know, like they'd have a main character who's Japanese and in Japan and dealing with Yakuza, but he'd be dressed up like a cowboy or an American gangster or something like that. And it, it was very, I think that this really reflects that same kind of sensibility where it's like speed travels all around the world. You get to see all of these different kinds of cultures and stuff, which often are these kind of amalgamations of like other like cultures that are uh, fictionalized. But like it has that very kind of like exotic locale. Uh, appeal as well as this sort of like high roller kind of seeing cool cars and fancy upscale buildings and clubs and things like that that was i think just sort of the big thing at the time Mm -hmm. actually um while, while we're on the subject of movies joey i saw you tweeting about this but do you want to talk a little bit about uh chapter five volume two in particular yeah, so that uh, chapter is called The Black Test Car, and it is actually named uh, the same title as a 1962 film uh, directed by Yasuzo uh, Masamura uh, called Black Test Car, and starts out exactly the same way, where they're driving this uh, test car that has kind of a black, uh, it, that is black. <laughs> uh, in the movie, it looks like there's like a tarp over it or something like that, but like their secrets are being scalped by other people watching on with binoculars. And, and uh, the whole thing about the black test car movie is that it's a kind of industrial espionage movie about two rival car companies that are stealing each other's secrets. And and the, the sort of thesis of the movie is that they consider themselves like a legitimate business, but they're acting just like gangsters. And um, it's sort of showing a more like seedy side of the industrial world. And that movie was a pretty big hit and inspired a whole like series that they call the Black Series, where there's like movies like Black Report and uh, these other movies that have black uh, in the title uh, that are these sort of like crime noir looking movies that are often um, about like other uh, areas like Black Report I've seen that's like about a murder trial. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely think that this chapter is like <laughs> unmistakably directly named after this movie. Um, uh, you know, I 
I did like have a second where I was like, okay, because I just completely by coincidence, I'd happened to watch Black Test Car like a week before I'd read that. And I was like, okay, don't jump to conclusions. <laughs> you know, just because this is called the thing from the movie that you just watched doesn't necessarily mean that it that A equals B or whatever. But I, the more I looked into it, the more it seemed pretty like evident to me that uh, that it was totally riffing on that, which really makes me wonder if other chapter titles and uh, chapter stories are kind of like based on that. Because that, that chapter is also about these two rival... Uh, car companies uh in speed racer it's uh nippon car company and um was a falcon or something a condor yeah right and in the movie it's yamato which is like the spirit of japan so that's the nippon one and um tiger uh-huh. motors uh instead of the condor so see this is what i would expect from the host of toho <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, when i saw you tweet about that i was uh i was definitely very very surprised um i I really wanted to watch the black test car before we recorded today but i didn't get to but uh i bought it on prime so i'm gonna watch it eventually cool yeah it seemed it seemed like an interesting movie it is a cool movie i i recommend it i don't recommend uh the black report as much it's just that's just sort of a basically like a law and order episode or something but like (laughs) uh black test car is a really cool like crime noir style movie Mm-hmm. I'm interested in watching it as well. Um, I guess while we're talking about like particular stories, um, was there was there any particular chapter or arc or whatever you want to call it that you enjoyed reading the most or like stood out to you in particular? Or for me, it's definitely the second chapter, introducing Racer Rex and the Alpine race and the competition against Acrobatics Team and Captain Terror. Like that had all that has the stuff that like stuck with me the most in terms of like again the stunts that i recited earlier and also just the narrative beats like i like razor x coaching speeds through the race and guiding him through like these difficult obstacles he has to go through i like the test of courage of speed having to ride down this cliff and a lot of people take this punch and they fail, but he manages to you know go all the way to the bottom and then continue the race and I like that, you know, he kind of gets blinded, but then Racer X feigns injury to help guide him, be his eyes to finish the race. And in, yeah, it just has the best story beats and the best action beats for me. And I guess that's the thing with Speed Racer is that like, I like a lot of the, the action beats and a lot of these storylines and chapters. The storylines themselves can be a little hit and miss. For me, yeah, like there are some where I was like, well, you know, I think this asshole maybe got off a little too easy or I, I think that, you know, the way the story progressed, like it kind of depended on characters making mistakes or doing some dumb things. But like there were definitely, you know, let's I think Racer X stories were definitely often my favorite, even though the first one in the second volume repeats his introduction and racer speed, uh, beat by beat. I couldn't believe it. Not just beat by beat, like panel by panel. Yeah, like panel it. by panel. It's literally the same drawings reused. Yeah, I mean that one was definitely like the one I enjoyed reading the least. Not just because of that, but like I just didn't really enjoy the story that much. Like th- that 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 was kind of one of the only ones I was like, okay, let's just. Let's just kind of get through this, you know. That was kind of the one that was losing my attention a little bit. 
But I mean, I, I was I was really thinking about it because, um, again, going back to that article we keep mentioning, it really seems to imply that like uh, that Speed Racer uh, was something that they wanted to do with Tatsunoko Productions, but like they couldn't, they weren't able to like get the necessary like sponsorship and funding at first. So like that's when they decided to do the comic first, and then when it. Basically, when they had like a proof of concept, then that's when they got their sponsorships and then they could make the show out of them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's probably safe to say that, like, you know, obviously they were probably doing the comic and the show at the same time. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that there was a point where Yoshida, maybe because he was busy contributing to the actual show, that maybe he just didn't have the time to, like, make an entirely newly drawn story at that point, maybe. Timing-wise, I think that makes sense, because if you look at the pace that the comic was published, it was published in Shonen Book, which is a monthly magazine, and if you look at how many chapters there are, like, these chapter divisions congregate, like, these sub-chapters, and if you count those sub-chapters as their own individual chapters, it adds up to, like, 23 chapters, and this series ran for 23 months, so I think that definitely if you think about timing wise it like that chapter at the beginning of volume two probably correlates to maybe a difficult production point during speed racers anime run because the anime ended only two months before the manga did and it began a little less than a year before the manga began so yeah i'm sure there was probably some difficulty working on both at the same time and there just came a point where for the sake of economy, he had to reuse some panels and RT did before and just hope maybe readers wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, I think that tracks for me because in general, I would say the second volume is like not quite as good as the first volume. Interesting. Um, you know, there's some stuff that I liked in that second volume, but I kind of found myself getting a little less interested in it. The peak for me is the end of volume one with the big kaiju story. I mean, come on. (laughs) Like that. I loved that. I like when I thought back about this manga after having not read it for a long time, I was like, there's one where they like drive through the rib cage of like a monster or something. Right. And yeah. And not only that, there is a giant like walrus monster living uh, in a desert temple. And yeah, I really love that one because I love how like completely off the rails it goes I love that it has that quality of the sort of foreign location uh, that that sort of has some exoticism in it, which, you know, uh, you know, is a little problematic, but like, yeah, uh, is also kind of like, it's that thing that you like, or I don't know, I don't want to put this on anyone else. But it's the thing that like, I like about 60s and 70s stuff that where they kind of exoticize foreign countries and stuff, but it also is pretty problematic. Um, it, it at but least like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but it at the same time, it still makes for, like, an interesting setting. Yeah, well, at least it isn't a real place. And, yeah, it is definitely an interesting setting. And, I, yeah, the giant monster, it was a lot of fun. And, like, being trapped in the ribcage, having to break out of that. Like, there's a lot of cool, again, action stuff there. I think that I'm not super high on certain story beats in that one, but, like, it is such a memorable story. Like, I was not expecting Speed Racer to have, like, giant monsters in its world. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I wasn't expecting yeah, that yeah, either. Yeah, totally. Um, well, while we're talking about that story real quick, uh, again, another moment I tweeted out was one where uh, I think probably one of my favorite sequences, probably in the manga, just because of like how tense it is, is uh, 
is where Speed and Kambala are like trapped in the rib cage, and you have one of the asshole racers like obviously injured, slowly reaching for his gun and trying to kill Kambala before he like ultimately dies himself. And I really love the way that's that was sequenced in particular. Uh, it really allowed you like kind of like take in the moment. Like you, you, you can you can feel like how satisfied he is with himself before he dies. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's like really sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm probably inclined to agree on uh, to agree on like the like the overall quality of the stories in Volume Two. But I, I like if I had to pick a favorite, I do think the Golden Arrow storyline is at least isn't bad. Like, I think I like it for how over the top it is. Like, you literally have Speed going on a race to, like, take back this substance that if it's not taken back within a certain number of days, it's literally going to expel, like, poison gas and, like, kill everybody around it or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Now, that's a storyline that you think, whoa, this would make the plot of a Speed Racer movie. Like, this is going big. This is, like, the entire world is at stake here population of the planet like this guy wants to commit mass genocide <laughs> like it's could the stakes be any higher here no exactly um and the, they're they're in general i think um i think that story has a lot of uh has like the most moments i, I like that i remember from the comic like uh, uh Sp- spritel and chim chim first off i was not ex- i was kind of expecting them to be like more prominent but i'm kind of glad they weren't honestly yeah they Chim Chim in particular doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Like the most notable moment is when Spriddle kind of leaves him out to dry in the first chapter of the second volume when they're like spying on Speed being kidnapped by those goons and the goons notice that they're being through the door. And so like Spriddle leaves Chim Chim behind while he bails <laughs> and Chim Chim gets captured. Like that's the most memorable <laughs> moment Chim Chim has is him being sabotaged by Spriddle. Um, but I was gonna mention I I really I really love the moment where like they're putting the Mach five onto the plane to transport it, and obviously they hide in the trunk or whatever. And then as the plane's flying, they eventually just like get kicked out of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I laughed pretty hard at that. I wasn't expecting that. It was pretty good. Um, that and um, I don't know if maybe this can lead into a small discussion about Racer X in particular because I'll I'll, I'll be honest, like I. Up until this chapter, I thought Racer X was, like, I thought he was, like, an okay character. Like, I didn't really, like, I didn't think he was bad or anything, but I didn't really, like, think much of him. And I think that's just, I think that's just because, like, going into this, like, I I know the big reveal already. Like, oh, he's supposed to be Speed Racer's brother. Like, that's, like, that's about as common knowledge as, like, oh, well, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Like, you you just know that going in, right? Yeah. But, um... I, I do appreciate, like, kind of going into the series knowing that because, like, you were saying, you know, how he how he helps uh, Speed Racer win that particular race in the second chapter of Volume 1. I like knowing that he's his brother going in because it's just like, oh, he's just, he's just a nice big brother. He just wants to help his little brother win the race. It's nice. Um, he's just a good big brother. Um, but I, I think it was specifically when during the Golden Arrow storyline where a torpedo is coming at Speed Racer and Racer X disguised as like King Who or whatever he's supposed to be, the yeah. king, king of a random country. Uh, he takes his car and just flips it in a way to like block the torpedo from speed. And then in the middle of the explosion <laughs> changes it to his Racer X outfit. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That was that was like a tuxedo mask, like costume change upon costume change there. 
And it's funny you bring up Tuxedo Mask because I think this character, obviously, obviously this character precedes the Tuxedo Mask archetype. Uh, c- kind of the first Tuxedo Mask of his time. <laughs> Except he actually does stuff. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, I think Racer X is fun. I, yeah, I definitely like, I think it's interesting to what degree the comic does or doesn't show its hand with him being Speed's brother. I, I don't recall off the top of my head when they actually do. It's at the end of his second story, the okay. first chapter of volume one. So in the first story, like they don't play their hand that much, which is interesting. And that's kind of another reason why I like that story a lot, but I think also by the time that they got to the stuff in Volume 2, the anime was airing and they probably had already seeded that reveal in the anime. So they probably wanted to get that out in the manga too. Yeah, it made me almost wonder if when he was introduced uh, in the second chapter, if they even knew that at that time or not. But um, but he does have that interaction with Speed's family. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting because then you keep kind of like waiting for the big reveal. And uh, as we kind of made reference to, it's not revealed to speed until the very last, like two pages or something. Oh, yeah. Man. That definitely felt to me like the series was like abruptly ended, like the anime finished. And I don't think speed Racer was necessarily that successful as a show or comic in Japan. So like when the anime finished, like there wasn't that much reason for the manga to continue on because the entire reason for the manga to be made was to, to be a proof of concept for the anime. So I think it finished and was like, okay, we did this last story and we'll wrap it up by having, you know, the big climax of speed and knowing that racer X was Rex, his brother. And now they're going to work together side by side as racers from now on. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely abrupt and definitely not as good as the anime scene where speed, like has had these suspicions for a long time about racer X and then he confronts Racer Rex like at the end of a big race near the end of the show. And he's like, hey, are you my brother? And then he just punches him in the stomach and then throws his mask behind and says, I can't, you know, be with the family. I am a secret police agent. Goodbye forever, basically. Like, <laughs> I like that over the top scene a lot more just because it feels like more satisfying because afterwards speed like wakes up and he sees that razor x has left his mask behind he knows for sure now that he was his brother rex and then he like yells out to the sunset for his brother and promises him that he'll become a great racer and see him again so i i don't know i thought that was a really great scene and conclusion to that story arc over kind of like the abrupt oh we gotta cram in like an ending to this storyline that wasn't really set up as an ending yeah, it feels very abrupt to me, but I do like this sort of like, I always kind of like when stories provide a little like, and then the story continues type ending. So I, I did kind of like the concept of like, well, now that they know each other, they'll continue to have adventures together, even if that's not what the comic's about, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I see what you mean. But um, yeah, I, I definitely agree that I I was not expecting that very last page um, it definitely was very abrupt and not very satisfying for me in particular. And uh, I, yeah, I couldn't help but wonder, like, yeah, this this has to have been like, like I I couldn't help but wonder, like, how the anime maybe have handled this built up in particular. And from what it sounds like, it handled it a lot better. Um, like this 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 definitely felt like the kind of thing in the manga in particular that 
needed way more build up and it was a little disappointing that it just kind of came out of nowhere because you like it very much felt like this was just meant to be like another chapter in the story of speed racer but yoshida was like oh i have to end this now and decided just to wrap up everything in one page like it, it, <laughs> it, it felt it felt like it felt like if the series was like canceled or something like it got like the memo too late or something like oh i gotta do this now yeah it does feel tacked on for sure yeah I, i've definitely heard people say or, or read at least on the in, online that like speed racer is was more popular than people give it credit for in japan but i uh, than people in the west give it credit for because i think that's often was what i've heard over and over again was like well speed racer is big in america but nobody in japan cares about it and you know i think it's like popular enough that it's like uh had re-releases and things like that but I don't think that it has much of a legacy as much as some of the other Tatsunoko shows, for sure. I, I Yeah, I would say so. I don't, like, you know, I've seen more references in anime to Wacky Races than I have to Speed Racer, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's the same thing. It's, it's kind of the same thing as when people are always like, oh, well, in America, Cowboy Bebop is way more popular sure. than it is in Japan. When I'm, I'm sure they're... It's pretty popular. There was a cafe, a pop-up cafe, recently for Cowboy Bebop in Japan. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a remembered franchise and series. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think if Speed Racer didn't have any popularity in Japan, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have eventually got that sequel anime Speed Racer X either. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I think I think obviously it I would say it definitely has more of a legacy over here probably just because it's referenced so much in pop culture. I think so. Um, but again, that, that that's also not to say that oh, absolutely nobody remembers it in Japan because that's yeah, most likely not mm-hmm. true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, I guess just to kind of bring it back around, I, I in general, I, I really, I really like enjoyed what I read, and I really wish, I really wish somehow we could get more of Tatsuo Yoshida's stuff over here somehow, which I don't know how likely that'll ever happen. But you know, uh, I would even, and again, I'm not sure how likely this this could ever happen, but like one thing I thought was really interesting about Speed Racer's creation was that. Uh, uh, it seemed to imply that um, we were talking about this off mic about how like Speed Racer in particular was made up of different elements from like other comics that the Yoshida brothers had done in the past. Like I think Pilot Ace was about uh, was about a kid who liked racing and in particular participated in races for money to uh, help his dad launch like a rocket ship in the space or whatever. And I think they I, th- I think I saw in the article that. Uh, I think they eventually dropped that concept for Speed Racer in particular because, you know, by the time Speed Racer was a thing, you know, people had already landed on the moon. Like, space travel was possible by then. So, like, <laughs> it wasn't exactly, yeah. you know, new and relevant anymore. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, in general, like, and I, I was also under the impression that, like, Speed Racer was, like, the first Tatsunoko thing, which isn't true. Like, there was um, uh, Space Ace. Which I guess is supposed to be like inspired by Astro Boy in particular, like like the character design is, I would say very similar. And yeah, I like I would I would love to read like more of his earlier works. Like Tatsuo Yoshida to me seems like the kind of person whose work I would love really love to dig through as like again someone who who is like a pioneer in this industry, kind of like with Tezuka. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if we can get Tezuka's stuff over here, I, I would. I want to get more Yoshida stuff too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. especially after reading Speed Racing, seeing like how good his art really is, especially in the art action sequences. Like a lot of this stuff is still very impressive today. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like I, I think we were saying earlier, like obviously it's um in in some places um well i don't know i I was gonna say in some places it might not have aged well but like actually there's there's like i think a lot of it still holds up actually yeah yeah i think the art especially holds up really well stories uh hit or miss but the art i think yeah i I was really impressed by the art that was like my biggest takeaway is like wow this is like a supremely well drawn action comic yeah, for sure. I mean, again, other than other than reusing a lot of stuff from chapter two, like that, that's that, that's that's kind of the only thing about it that I'm not a huge fan of in particular. But again, I from reading about the production history of Speed Racer, like I understand why that was done. So even with that, I can I feel like I can, I can kind of like give a pass on. So mm. other otherwise, it's it's all very good. Like there's there's very there's like very little. Uh, I I could like critique about it in particular. I think. Yeah, I feel like I would feel pretty comfortable like recommending this to anyone who's interested in it. Like, if you already are kind of interested in classic manga, um, or like the Speed Racer movie or something, you know, it th- this isn't a title that I'm necessarily gonna run out and like scream that everyone and their brother has to read. <laughs> but like, if it seems interesting to you, I think. You definitely should check it out because it is like maybe better than you might think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, in general, like it's still pretty readily available. Like it's not out of print yet at the time of this recording. Like you can you can still feasibly get this for under like forty dollars. Yeah, they must have printed a ton of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you know it. And, and Lum, you could probably speak to this better than I can. But uh, I I know it might be kind of weird for us to like you know, shill for like a DMP product in particular. But I think if you're going to pick up anything from them, as much as we probably might, we usually don't feel comfortable like supporting them. But like, I think this is like one of the few things I would say you, you should actively pick up if you're interested in it. Yeah, they. it seems like they definitely put a lot of care and quality into their release. Like there weren't really many issues reading the book that I could notice. I think the paper quality is really great. Oh, yeah. I like kind of the glossy, like... Uh, stills from the anime they include and like references to the Japanese volume covers and original magazine cover like they secured in like a forward from Peter Fernandez voice of speed himself like I they definitely put a lot of care and craft into this so I think that yeah this is definitely a release uh, that you can go by and you can be satisfied with the quality of it. And like, I don't know, like behind the scenes, like how they treated their localization staff, like maybe that's something to interrogate and dig into. But, you know, it's available out there and you can get it off Amazon or wherever you like to buy manga. It's in stock pretty readily. So if you want to pick it up, it's like out there for you. And it's a, it's a good release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really tracking its sales or anything. Like it's... Mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of old news at that point at this point and so like <clears throat> if you do have like qualms with supporting DMP's products like I think that this is like I don't know <laughs> it's the equivalent of like a uh, public domain or something I, it, it's it's <laughs> it's not like something that you're really going to be boosting their company uh by buying and and like 
to speak to the quality, like I was shocked that it was because, uh, you know, I have gotten a handful of DMPs like Tezuka releases in the back in the past, which have like kind of mixed quality. Like the Unico book is really good, but I think most everything else I'd been pretty disappointed with. But this is like this sort of like premium uh, treatment. Uh, it's yeah, this nice slipcase and there are these beautiful hardcovers. Uh, with the color pages, as you mentioned, and it's it's and, and the end pages are really nice. Like just everything about this book, like looks so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is definitely like one really high quality release. And uh, I, I I guess before we like probably round off our discussion, some something I forgot to mention. You know, obviously we mentioned that uh, Speed Racer ran in Shonen Book, uh, which was the predecessor to uh, Weekly Shonen Jump. Ah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that technically makes Speed Racer a Shonen Jump hero. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's definitely in the Shueisha uh, Shonen Magazine family. So, you know, you can make a case for Speed Racer showing up in one of those jump fighting games. Speed Racer <laughs> should, maybe, Speed Racer should maybe have been a DLC character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think back to that, that first issue of Shonen Jump has a race car guy on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, perfect. Like perfect <laughs> reference to the roots. I mean in general, you can you could probably make a case for uh, and I mean maybe he's not like the first because I don't know if that would be correct, but like you could make a case for uh Speed Racer being like one of the first like typical shonen heroes. He has yeah. all those qualities. He's like he's he's driven, but he's like kind of like has a lot of kindness and is always kind of always doing what's what's right you know he he's like not afraid to like lose the glory of winning a race if it'll like do what's right you know mm-hmm. right if someone's in trouble he's gonna stop like racer x who's the wheel at one point and he like stops to help him out like he cares more about people than races at the end of the day he's a good person through and through yeah I, I like how um at the end of that story um because you know we have Speed wanting to uh, tell the leader of the like acrobatic racing team that like his uh, his car is leaking and that you know it's, he's going to be in danger and will explode or whatever. But he doesn't want to listen. And then ultimately he he his car explodes and he injured and he has to go to the hospital or whatever. But uh, he like has a monologue about how like kind Speed is and like how he should yeah. hold on to his compassion. I I really like that in particular. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. yeah, that's another reason why that chapter is my favorite. Is that I like the ending of like Captain Terror is like thinking, wow, Speed really was just trying to reach out and help me out. Like he's a good person. I hope he stays like a good person because he's can grow up to be a great man like yeah i really like that it's one of my favorite shonen hero tropes is turning the bad guys like making the bad guys respect you and think about what they've done you know (laughs) (laughs) um but i i guess was there anything else we wanted to say about speed racer before we uh maybe move on the dragon racer or uh no i think that i basically said my closing thoughts so that i I think it's a, a super solid book. Um, I understand why it isn't a classic held up with some others, but like I think that it's a really great action comic, and we don't get a lot of those from this era in English, so I think uh, it's one that I definitely recommend folks check out if, if they want. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely think Speed Racer nowadays, a lot of the perception because of the pop culture parodies is that it's kind of like a punchline like oh this was a low quality like poorly done poorly animated poorly written show and i think 
actually revisiting it, that's kind of far from the truth. There is a lot of quality to this series. And I think even though obviously it's still not necessarily perfect or like uh, the out of the quality comparable to some of the best of the best classics, I do think that there's still a lot to like and a lot to appreciate here, and it's well worth revisiting and reevaluating. At the very least, it's very solid stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we can kind of move on from that and uh, maybe talk about how it may have influenced your latest work, Joey. Yeah, especially you did talk about when you were drawing Dragon Racer, you definitely referenced Speed Racer and like how a lot of the racing actually was drawn. So I'm definitely curious to hear like more about that, like more of like what you kind of learned and and what you put into Dragon Racer from the book. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that I do um, whenever I'm approaching a new project and it has some sort of quality that I haven't drawn a lot. I do kind of like just kind of skim over my bookshelves to see what else I have that uh, might be similar that I can kind of look and see how other artists have handled it. And I like to not just like, I like to get as many samples as possible so that I'm not just like copying what one person did, you know what I mean? But I just want to kind of see how everyone approached it and analyze those decisions. And so, you know, I don't have a ton of like racing comics, but I did have Speed Racer. Uh, March Grand Prix is a, um, a young reader's book uh, by Kinsu. Uh, that's a really fun like racing comic that I had. And I looked at Bone, uh, the big cow race in Jeff Smith's Bone. Uh, even though it's not cars, it has all the sort of like trappings of a race. And I wanted to kind of look at how he depicted audiences and things like that. And then, you know, I checked out some racing movies and things like that, too. But then Speed Racer ended up being kind of the most, like, material that uh, of what I had that was kind of directly, you know, racing on racetracks type thing. Um, and, and even then, that's only within the first few chapters, and then it kind of goes off the rails, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and Dragon Racer doesn't have, like, the cars exploding or, or whatever, but it, it does have a lot of, like, scenes of people in different kinds of carts, like, trailing each other or, you know, one-upping each other and things like that. And I wanted to see how that was depicted. And so I did find those first few chapters of Speed Racer probably the most helpful uh, in, like, looking at how he would draw like a track kind of going up the back of a page. And so you could see racers in the background kind of above the foreground objects and things like that. And also the way uh, that he would frame um, the quote unquote camera angles, you know, where you'd have these sort of like low horizons and stuff where your eye line is like right at the wheels of the car, basically, which would make it feel very dynamic and like it was really coming for you. So uh, things like that. I definitely took notice of it. And uh, another big thing was just seeing like there's all these close-ups of speed, like turning the wheel and like shifting his whole body to one side or the other. And they're very dynamic looking. And I definitely took that into consideration when I was composing my drawings. Oh, there's definitely one page where Werner's taking a sharp turn, mm-hmm. like on the road that I definitely can see that influence. That was like really cool. Well, you do that. Cool. The gag that follows with the <laughs> character who can't make that turn and then has to go straight ahead is also very great. Yeah, if that was Speed Racer, <laughs> they would be exploding into a fiery... <laughs> <laughs> 
instead they yodel kind of like goofy off into the uh, yeah. distance. <laughs> you know, you know what, Joey? That's my that's my one complaint about Dragon Racers that there wasn't enough explosions. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I mean, there are cars like spinning off track, mm-hmm. so that's also fun. Mm-hmm. Um, now, important question. Uh, did you read any initial D in the time since we've had you on last time? Oh. No, I've never actually read initial D. Yeah, <laughs> that's not, not part of my repertoire. Um, yeah, I've, spe- I've seen uh, the third Fast and Furious movie, which has some live action initial D actors in it. Oh, but, wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. I haven't, uh, haven't read the comic itself. I mean, honestly, like if if you if you wanted to draw like actual cars or whatever, you probably could have learned. You could probably could have learned a lot from that series in particular. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I the thought did cross my mind, uh, but then I'd have to track it down. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no. It, yeah, I did think like if I needed more reference material, that initial D would be a good one because that's the sort of like first thing that pops into your mind when you think about racing manga. Mm-hmm. So actually, before we get too far into this conversation, so um, I mean, first off, if you haven't, you should really listen to our first podcast with Joey. Uh, we had them on to, you know, to kind of do it like a general interview with them. But like, we also talked about uh, his new comic at the time, Ghost Hog, which uh, we both thought was very, very good. And we really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I guess kind of speaking of Ghost Hog, do you want to talk about just generally what Dragon Racer is about? Sure. Dragon Racer is about a dragon named Vern who takes part in a big race every year against other animals uh, and creatures that drive these like pedal carts. And he talks up a big game, <laughs> but he's, the truth of the matter is that he's never actually won a race. And the other animals kind of uh, make fun of him a bit and uh, say that he's more interested in decorating his cart with, you know, shiny decorations and baubles and things than he is actually like learning the skills to be a great racer. And he meets Truff, the ghost hog from the previous book, as well as uh, Stanley and Claude, uh, two forest spirits from Ghost Hog. And they're kind of our eyes into this world where we get to meet. Uh, Vern and the other animals and the people that live at this temple uh, where the animals are being taken care of and that host this big race. And yeah, and the story kind of goes from there. You know, Vern thinks this this is his year. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's confident. He's been training off road. So uh, which is his kind of idea that's sort of like, uh, you know, weighted. Uh, clothes of Dragon Ball version of like if I can drive super well off road then once I'm on a track it'll be as easy as pie uh, and the other animals think that this is ridiculous I mean honestly I, w- I was waiting for there to be a scene where uh, where Vern uh, accidentally like trails off on uh, trails off uh, off the ledge or whatever and then just kind of drives back up onto the mountain onto the ledge <laughs> like speed does <laughs> yeah but yeah so I, I don't know uh, obviously we we also wanted to have you on to not just talk about Speed Racer, but talk about you know your newest book because uh, you know uh, sli- slightly because you know you did you did kind of use Speed Racer as kind of an inf- a sort of a, one of your many influences like you know on this book and uh, I I think it's safe to say you know knowing you and your tastes that uh, Vern's uh, Vern's cart is probably very inspired by uh, Truck Yarrow in particular. Sure, yeah. So there's a um. Uh, yeah, specifically like the 
decorated trucks in Japan are called dekotora, which is like decorated truck toraku. And um, it's a, an art form that kind of came out of the 70s that was popularized by these um, movies called Truck Yaro. Uh, that's a 10 film series uh, that are these kind of like, um, you know, kind of rowdy comedy action movies. And they're just truck drivers in Japan will decorate with all of these like crazy decorations all over the truck and these, these beautiful like murals painted on the sides of the trailers and things like that. And um, these days, uh, Decatora is kind of like has gotten really crazy where they're these like they're called uh, often called art trucks now where they're not really functional for like hauling goods, but they're like they look almost like spaceships or something. They're so crazy looking. But I really love the 70s ones that are a little bit more. Uh, they look kind of like a carnival or something. They're more lots of like little lights and, and hanging things. So that was kind of the jumping off point for Vern's cart, but I wanted to kind of pull in reference from a few different places. So I just kind of Googled like decorated vehicles and things like that. And I found some really cool looking decorated, these little decorated uh, mini taxis in uh, India and uh, some trucks and stuff also decorated in that way. And another big thing is that he's got these two little chandeliers on the side of his trucks uh, or on the side of his cart. And um, that's actually taken from um, Escape from New York, <laughs> wow. the, the movie. There's like a bad guy who has this like limousine that has little chandeliers hanging <laughs> off the sides of it. And I always thought that that was cool and very like extravagant looking, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's and, you know, Vern's cart is supposed to look over the top. It's got a big like diamond in the center of it and this yeah. like cool like uh, dragon design painted on the side and stuff like that. So it's kind of supposed to look gaudy. Artisanally painted. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love how proud he is of like how ornately decorated his card is. Mm-hmm. Like I do love the design of it so much and all the different like fixtures he's attached to it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought your work, uh, I mean, I already told you through DMs, Joey. I mean, obviously, uh, in, in general, I thought this was really stellar. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you you were you were awesome. ni- you were not you were nice enough to give us review copies ahead of time, and yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think especially compared to Ghost Hog, which you know we we obviously talked about the first time we had you on the show. You know, I mentioned that I really enjoyed Ghost Hog because you were able to tackle heavier and darker themes without like you know without talking down to your audience or whatever, and I really appreciated that. And as as much as I enjoy things that do tackle those kinds of dark and heavy themes. Uh, I really enjoyed that this book in particular was kind of a break from a lot of that stuff. And it was just kind of a fun adventure comic. That being said, I really appreciated Vern's character arc in the book because he starts out very vain and proud of his cart. He freaks out over it getting scuffed because he's very much interested in both looking good and winning. Like, he really wants to earn, like, the adulation, the respect and admiration of everyone around him because he kind of has a chip on his shoulder. Like, he was kind of the runt of his siblings. Like, his siblings were so much bigger than him and bullied him as a kid and then in the monk community at the temple like a lot of people kind of mock him and dismiss him and his ability to race because he hasn't had a great track record and that just you know he wants to prove himself to them but and he wants to yeah he wants to really make a show of it but i like his journey of like ultimately he 
has to sacrifice like you know this cart that he's put a lot of time and effort into and he has to do the right thing and he does do that like uncompromisingly like when that choice is put in front of him like he you know goes right straight ahead and I appreciate that growth of like him kind of maturing in that way is like realizing like what's most important and in doing so and actually making doing the heroic thing like he does earn kind of respect of his peers and I I really like that growth of his yeah thank you yeah I'd say thematically Mm, there's a lot of different themes and ideas going on, but a lot of it is kind of about insecurity. I think that's kind of a big trait of Vern's. I think it, it started with this idea that it would be fun to do something that's this, like tribute to the decorated trucks and things like that. But it did have to kind of analyze like, why would somebody go out of their way to do this kind of thing? And, and you know, some people just like nice things. And I did want to also come on this side that like, not necessarily like, damning everything that he's doing and saying that that's this is bad i think it kind of we see the positive aspect of it and even at the end i want wanted it to be kind of like you know Vern still loves his shiny cart you know <laughs> yeah um and so yeah so it's 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 a lot about like yeah kind of seeing the value in your abilities and what they can do for others uh, as well as kind of looking at the value of winning and good sportsmanship and things like that, um, and really analyzing that through this lens of somebody who's maybe overcompensating a lot. Also kind of looking at what good you, the skills you have can be, even if they are more, aren't exactly what you want them to be. Yeah. Again, like he has a big chip on his shoulder because like all these people around him are kind of dismissing his ability but ultimately there's something only he can do and he proves himself Mm -hmm. and it is okay and good for him to be proud of his cart but ultimately you know he he learns that ultimately it's okay to sacrifice that and to not let like his kind of vanity for like his love of his cart and like how pretty it is like to not let that cloud his judgment of like what's most important like the goal right in front of him that he needs to achieve yeah i think as far as like the functionality of the story goes and whatnot um something i really appreciated because this is a book that also kind of obviously takes place in the same like universe as ghost hog or whatever literally includes the same titular characters from your last book and um I, i i like that this is you know, if someone were to like pick this up without reading Ghost Hog, like I think it'd be a pretty easy. Like I feel, I feel like you could get a sense for all the characters pretty easily, especially, especially when specifically they're uh, they're pushing Vern's cart up the hill, and they kind of they kind of use that as a chance to like kind of talk and get to know each other. Like I I I like how you handled that exposition without like without it feeling too clunky. Yeah, that was important to me that people can pick up Dragon Racer without having read Ghost Hog and enjoy it just fine. I think people who've read Ghost Hog will be happy to see those characters again and will have that understanding. But I wanted to give you everything you needed to know through dialogue. I feel like, yeah, that whole beginning part where we first see Truff and Claude and Stanley, there's a lot of like stuff kind of slipped into the dialogue to tell you about who they are exactly. And that continues as they go up the hill. That's a skill that I've kind of learned from Bone, um, Jeff Smith's Bone that I mentioned earlier. You know, back when that was 
that was originally serialized as uh, floppy comic books, you know, these little 20-page bi-monthly, usually, comics. And I was always really impressed with how he was able to kind of, like, catch you up on anything you needed to know, even within that issue, which makes for, like, reading it all together a little weird because there's a lot of recap that happens kind of over and over again. Um, But I think that he writes it entertainingly enough that it doesn't get too repetitive feeling. Um, And so I that's something that I kind of strove for with this is to give you everything you needed to know, but uh, still make it entertaining to read and not just kind of like a two page thing that says, you know, last time on Ghost Hog, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you learn about the characters through the story. It's not just like exposition dumped at the start or taking a break from it. Like you learn it naturally through the dialogue and through interactions with characters. Yeah, they don't they don't like stop everything and just look at the camera and go, Hey guys, I'm Truff and this is this is my entire <laughs> character card cheat or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And and I wanted to give Truff a little storyline too, not just to include her as like a token um, you know, Claude and Stanley are a little bit more just kind of like narrator fun characters to be around. But like Truff has her own storyline uh, where she's kind of under suspicion by uh, one of the monks, a girl named Tulip, who thinks that uh, she's, you know, can't possibly be up to any good because uh, she's been trained to ward off ghosts. And so seeing this kind of peaceful ghost is a new concept for her. And then Truff ends up kind of ultimately aiding in the kind of final sequence where uh, Vern and Truff are kind of um, helping somebody out from the village. And yeah, so I, I wanted to make sure that there was a reason to include the Ghost Hog characters, not just because um, maybe people who've read Ghost Hog would want to read another story with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate how uh, Vern definitely felt like the main character of his own story. And it, it, it didn't just feel like another story, like featuring Truff. Like I... I as much as I like that character, like I, I, I do like that it is ultimately Vern's story and he like gets to shine. Yeah, that's the thing that I had to keep kind of catching myself uh, when I was writing it. I was worried at first that it would just essentially be a Ghost Hog 2 and I didn't want it to be Ghost Hog 2. I wanted it to be Vern's story featuring the Ghost Hog characters, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, I and I mean, I, I don't know what your future plans are or anything, but I, I really like the idea of you exploring, like, the different characters and settings, like, I guess through the point of view almost of these characters. Yeah, I, I'm at an interesting point now where I could, if I did another story, I could do another story set on the same mountain. Uh, and I could do a story following with Truff as the kind of continuing character or i could even leave truff behind and have Vern be the character that meets somebody new or or anything you know it's it's um i'm trying to open leave it open to where i'm not uh you know necessarily stuck with one thing or another yeah play around with the universe by you know using all the different characters and yeah i, I really like the community characters that you introduce to the temple so I'd also be interested in ex- seeing you write a story expanding on one of them, too. Like, I, I think there's a lot of potential to just explore this world. Yeah, it was fun. I Yeah, I had a fun time. I wanted the kind of early idea of this was that if I wanted to have everybody racing carts, I wanted them to all be interesting. 
Um, and so I just, um, <laughs> I literally just took all the animals from the Chinese Zodiac and like, was like, okay, I'm going to make a character with all of these, uh, characters just to kind of give myself a template of animals to choose from. And then, um, I don't know, kind of free associated personality, different kinds of personalities, um, and carts with everybody as I was sketching them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of the last things I really want to mention is that, uh, and I, uh, I didn't say this specifically, but I think, um, I think in terms of like two page spreads, I, I think you've like outdone yourself with this one. Awesome. Thank you. I, I like, especially, especially with this, uh, not, not to say too much, but, uh, a lot of the spreads that you drew, like during the climax of this book, I thought were especially really great and exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. In general, I think you do an amazing job showing scale in the comic of locations and characters in those locations. And so there were very, a lot of gorgeous visuals, I thought, that, like, I was super impressed by. And in general, I love your coloring. Like, I I really think the colors you use and then the gradients you employ, like, it looks, like, really beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, when I when I compose a page, I kind of like I tend to generally stick with a six panel grid. I I kind of like will shrink and uh, I'll combine four panel four of those panels into one giant panel or something like that. But like the kind of backbone of everything is a six panel grid, and I might shrink the size and elongate some and things like that. But um, it makes it so now that I'm experimenting a lot more with um, doing full page spreads and, and double page spreads, um, I think it helps them have impact that for the bulk of the comic, we're seeing kind of smaller panels on a page. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in general, like, I think this is just another really strong work in the in the hopefully ever expanding, like, universe that <laughs> is Ghost Hog. Awesome. Like, I, I, I think at this point, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously, like, I'm very open to, like, whatever else you want to do. And I'll, I'm, I, I'm totally, like, I totally want to, like, just keep up with your stuff in general. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, especially if you wanted to do more with the Ghost Hog kind of universe and setting, like, I, I would not say no to more, you know? Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. I haven't settled on what my next project will be. Um, I would like to do more uh comics within the ghost hog universe um especially since like just two books feels a little weird like i i feel like <laughs> I, um i'd like to do at least like a third but um yeah it just depends on what i decide to do if it seems like it fits or not but that's what i really want to kind of leave that openness to the thing that i like about the ghost hog universe is i like to with these books leave a lot of openness just to make it feel a little bit more real uh, rather than lay down a lot of rules. Um, and so hopefully that kind of gives me more wiggle room to squeeze whatever kinds of stories I want, as long as it's not something set in like contemporary America or something like that, you know, like something that doesn't involve uh, real world, uh, you know, cell phones and computers and things like that. <laughs> that doesn't quite seem like it would fit in with the ghost dog world, but like, that's why, you know, these are pedal carts. I was asked, uh, at another thing, another online event recently, like, why did you do pedal carts? Is that something you did when you were a kid? And I was like, well, not really, but I wanted to do a racing story and it didn't seem right for them to be like automobiles, you know? <laughs> so there are these kind of like pedal uh, carts and bicycles and things. It, like it, it, imagine, 
imagine if you took so much influence from Speed Racer, you just gave Vern like his own Mach Five <laughs> <laughs> with like chainsaws or buzzsaws <laughs> that he and like he can eject his wheels to replace them, and then he has like this little like lever that he can push to like make his car jump, like <laughs> all sorts of crazy contraptions. It's not like we're like elaborately decorated, but it's also elaborately decked out with a bunch of technology and tools <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i did i did kind of in the early stages of imagining this book wonder if i wanted to do something where there's a lot more kind of gadgets involved you know like uh like speed racer or wacky races or something but i think i decided to just kind of concentrate on the variety of carts and there's not necessarily buzz saws and and uh rockets and things like that <laughs> i mean I, I think the sim- i think the simplicity of all the different like vehicles work and make them even more interesting actually and there are a lot of really fun designs of the carts like in particular i love sally's mm-hmm. tub cart that was such a great concept <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sally's a, a monkey so she likes uh, hot baths you know kind of like the mm-hmm. monkeys at uh, hot springs or whatever and so she actually has a bathtub that she has fashioned into a, a cart and fills it with hot water. And her whole like philosophy about racing and driving is it's just something that she does for fun. So she's not as fixated on like winning or losing. She just likes uh, driving around in her comfy cart, you know. And so, yeah, that's that was a good opportunity to both do something cartoony and fun, but also kind of present a different attitude towards racing than what Vern has. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess uh, Lum, did you have any uh, anything else you wanted to talk about with Dragon Racer real quick before I think we get to our uh, before we get to our Twitter question? To build on Joey's point about showing the contrast between the different races, like yeah, some of them just are having fun doing this. Like Vern has definitely something he wants to prove, and I but I like that contrast by showing other characters in the race. You know, they have like their own different things that they're going for there. Like, some of them just want to have fun. But also, I think that ties into the lesson Vern has to learn about that he is maybe focusing just too much on this, like, goal that he's kind of neglecting, like, other ways in which, you know, he can prove himself to the community or he can be proud of himself Mm -hmm. and in his own, like, abilities and be confident in his self-worth and what he can do. So I think that ultimately, even like unknowingly, like he even, he doesn't set out to prove this in the final act of the story, but through his own actions and selflessness, he does. And he does finally earn that respect and the admiration that he really wanted all along. And again, I just really appreciated uh, all the just little details about the characters and their interactions that feed into Vern's character arc and the ultimate messages and themes of the story. Like I, again, I think it's a really charming and sweet book. It has some gorgeous art, and I was really, really impressed and really enjoyed it. So yeah, I mean, I highly recommend it. And this is, I think, a great book for again readers of all ages, but especially I think this is a great book to give to kids because I think that they will really appreciate the messages. And I think this is a lesson that a lot of kids, uh, especially who maybe are like so focused on like being competitive and winning, you know, in certain competitions or what they're doing that, you know, that they, you know, maybe miss kind of like the mountain for the molehill of like what 
you know, they could be getting out of what they're doing. That even if like they don't quite get what they want in one way, they can get it in another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I love hearing that. Um, yeah, regard, regarding the the characters, like um, the other racers, um, you know, there's a lot in this that can be read as, you know, talking about bullying or being bullied. And I, I wanted them to all have their own personalities and not necessarily just be this kind of like cloud of bullies, you know, <laughs> and like, so I... When I think about bullies or people who, you know, who are making fun of somebody or whatever, I I do kind of acknowledge that a lot of times bullies don't understand the damage that they're doing. They're just kind of, and I think that a lot of the character, the other racers kind of see what they're saying to Vern as kind of like good natured ribbing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And some of them are a little more vicious than others. Yeah. Um, And he just kind of really internalizes it though. And it ends up kind of exploding out at them a lot more viciously. And um, that's just something else that I kind of wanted to take into consideration and depict in the book that, um, you know, to maybe make people realize the harm that they do when they bully, but also to kind of understand that sometimes others don't realize the damage that they're doing when they say uh, mean things to you and they don't necessarily even mean to harm you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely appreciate the contrast between the animals in Vern's temple community with his brothers, because there is definitely a difference there in between how those respective characters treat Vern. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that, like, one of those groups of characters, like, there, Vern is able to reconciliate with them and, like, you know, they come to an understanding, but the other, maybe, you know, that'll take more work. But, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that relationship isn't so easily kind of repaired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't even really think about it like that, actually. But I, I do agree. I, I do appreciate, like, the kind of uh, nuances and, like, different shades as far as, like, how far some of the other characters take it compared to the others. Like like you were saying, some 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 characters really are just kind of, like, giving Vern like a good ribbing because maybe they're better friends with him than like some of the other villagers maybe or something or like there there are different like dynamics at play with that and I that's not that's not really something I picked up on but thinking back on it like I, I do appreciate that like it's not they they don't all just like hate him or whatever you know yeah right mm-hmm. you know there, there's there's a bit more nuance with that and I, I could see that you took great care in like depicting that kind of thing yeah you know when I'm when I'm writing characters a lot of times, uh, unless they're like the evilest evil, I end up kind of liking them uh, a whole lot. And it's sometimes I, uh, you know, have a hard time. I, I end up empathizing with everyone in my story and uh, want to kind of show that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, like I, I promise we're not just saying all these nice things because we have Joey on our show and he can hear everything we're saying, <laughs> but like, you know, uh, it's not just, not just because like Joey's a friend of ours or whatever. Like we 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 legitimately like really love his stuff, and you know e- even even if Joey asked us like, hey, can I come on your show and like talk about my book? Like we we probably would have had him on anyway, honestly. So like <laughs> like we we genuinely really enjoy Dragon Racer, and uh, you know hopefully by the time this podcast is out, like if if the book isn't out already it should be coming out soon you should be able to like pre-order it you know wherever comics are sold and uh you know just like with ghost hog even if you haven't already read ghost hog which what are you doing you should do that um 
you know, if you haven't read Ghost Hog even, like, you could still read this and get a good sense of, like, you know, the previous characters and, like, what they're kind of all about. Like, you won't be too lost. Like, it's a, I, I genuinely think it's, like, still a good story on its own, and I think that's a particularly great strength of this work. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I got in touch uh, just because I'd been on the show a few times and I had a new book coming out. So I wanted to, you know, talk about something with you. I, I just figured that we would talk about whatever manga like Dr. Slump or something. But like you came to me with the idea of talking about Speed Racer. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a weirdly perfect <laughs> thing uh, to talk about. And so, yeah, I, I was just um, looking forward to talking more manga with you. So I'm I'm happy that I got to share the book with you early and that we got to kind of talk about my work in relation to a cool manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now now you just have to, now your next work has to be, uh, has to be influenced by Dr. Slump so we could talk about it. No, well, well <laughs> oh, okay. No, <laughs> you, you have to, you have to create your own Dr. Slump. <laughs> no, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll eventually we get, we got to get around to talking about Dr. Slump, whether you have a new book coming out or not, because that, that's definitely, that's definitely on our list at some point. Mm-hmm. At some point. But no, yeah, again, uh, we definitely recommend Dragon Racer. You should go out and buy it. It's really good stuff. And it just in general, just, just check out all of Joey's comics. They're, they're genuinely really good stuff. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, But I guess just to kind of, uh, round out to the uh, the discussion here in general. Um, I do think we should get to uh, our one Twitter question. Well, it's a two. There are two questions by one person, and that's our good friend Aiden. And on Twitter, they have two questions for Joy. One is: Does Mach Gogo have any methods of representing speed or momentum that informed how you approach doing? that in a Dragon Racer. Yeah, which I I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but like if you want to talk a bit more about it, you can go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I talked a little bit about eyeline levels and things like that. But um, another thing that's interesting uh, that I kind of really took away from Speed Racer, um, I, you know, when I'm drawing a character running, I can like twist their arms and legs around and really like exaggerate the way the shape of their body. Um, But I will often like have trouble when I'm drawing a vehicle that it looks very stiff, like static to me. It like just looks like a car and it doesn't look like it's moving because you can't really do that. I I can like warp the tires a little bit to make it look like it's moving and and lift it up off the ground or something like that. But it's always like kind of frustrating to me or it had been that it just kind of looks like a still car. And and, and I was always like, I don't know if this is going to like look like it's moving. And that's something that I really took away from Speed Racer is if you look at those isolated drawings of cars, they could be still, they could be parked, but it's through the framing of them as well as, you know, speed lines and uh, dirt and dust being kicked up and and the way that the drivers are leaning or something like that. All those things contribute to it looking like it's moving very, very fast. And so it kind of just like freed me a little bit to realize that even within the process of drawing a car, if it like looks like it's just a car, or in this case, like driving carts or whatever, that's okay, as long as I like take these other kind of steps to, like I say, like kind of lift it up off the ground and having a drop shadow under it and, and warping the wheels so that they look like they're moving and then adding lots and lots of speed lines and having characters leaning forward or to the side or something like that all kind of contribute to it looking like it's moving fast. And the same thing for kind of like rather than just having it 
um, you know, straight ahead or something, really angling it in the panel and things like that. So yeah, that's that was a big thing that I took away from Speed Racer. Um, you know, I talked about Speed Racer looking a little stiff and stuff, but it's through all those like other little tricks that he really like makes those panels seem super dynamic and uh, make you feel like the speed of those cars. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. Absolutely. But I want to go ahead and take over uh, Aiden's next question here. And uh, that is, have you seen the Wachowski Speed Racer movie? And do you have any thoughts on its visual techniques? And to that, I will say we are actually going to be dedicating a whole uh, bonus episode of our podcast on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks to the Speed Speed Racer live action movie from the Wachowskis. And uh, we'll talk about it a bit more in detail at the end of this episode when things are a little more concrete. Um, but yes, definitely, you know, if you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash uh, you will have that to look forward to hopefully soonish by the time, uh, this episode is out. But again, we'll, we'll talk more about the details of that and when you can expect it after we're done with this discussion here. But, but just know that is coming and, uh, Joey has agreed to be on that episode as well. Yeah, and I have a lot to say about that, so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, in general, like, I haven't seen the Speed Racer movie, but I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I I don't know how you guys feel about this, and maybe this is something we could talk about, uh, you know, on that bonus episode in the future, but I have heard people contest that out of all the, like, live-action Hollywood adaptations of, like, anime properties, it is possibly the best one. Yes, because it's not ashamed of its roots, and it fully embraces it. Mm -hmm. Which, which is interesting because uh, honestly, like, and I mean, maybe, maybe I'll change my mind when I actually see it. But right now, uh, out of out of all those types of movies, I I would kind of say Alita is probably the best one, or at the very least, is like the one that like I enjoyed the most. Definitely, because Alita, another film that was created by a director who cared about the source material and taught hard about how best to adapt it to live action in a way that preserved the integrity of the comic while also modifying it for kind of live action and big screen sensibilities. So there was taught and love and care put into that film as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it, I'm definitely interested in seeing the speed racer film again because i i have not seen it since it aired on tv probably a year or two after the film came out like on cartoon network or something so it's been a long long time revisiting it in full outside some clips so i'm excited to revisit and revaluate it but i was very uh, i remember being very impressed and by what I had seen, and still am when I look up the clips and trailers of it today. I've seen it a number of times. I have a kind of a reputation amongst my friends that if you haven't seen that movie, I'm going to force you to watch it with me. So, like, um, yeah, there, there was a period of time uh, after it kind of like several years after its home release where I was watching that movie a few times a year, probably because I was just like, oh, you haven't seen Speed Racer, huh? And then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I love that movie. Um, and yeah, we'll be talking about that. But it, it has a very interesting visual language that is extremely unique uh, to it. Um, I'd say even more so than Alita, which like still kind of wants to exist in the film realm, whereas like Speed Racer is a lot more surreal. Um, Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that. 
Mm-hmm. Again, for, for those listening, you can look forward to that at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, I know Aiden in particular is one of our good patrons. So Aiden, if you're listening, be sure to look forward to that whenever it happens to come out. So there you go. I'm I'm definitely really looking forward to, again, watching it and talking about it as someone who has not seen it, but has, you know, has just has kind of seen like bits and pieces. And yeah, um, I guess with that, that's that's going to be the end of our discussion. And uh, Joey, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking about more comics with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, just a, just a little sneak peek, because hopefully not not so much for Doctor Slump, because I think we're planning for that a little further in the future. But in kind of the more immediate future, you can look forward to Joey. Hopefully, when we uh, maybe eventually cover Kitaro, that might be something Ooh. we do later in the year. Uh, hopefully, we're still kind of planning that out. But uh, that that's something we definitely want to like talk about before the year's over. Maybe like just in time for Halloween. Yeah. We'd like to, <laughs> to quote the Shonen Jump podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I guess uh, I guess before we head out and finish the show, uh, you can go ahead and tell people where they could find you. Sure. I'm uh, on Twitter at Joey Weiser or Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Um, Instagram is pretty much purely just art and uh, stuff, new drawings, as well as um, sometimes shifting in some older pieces from my portfolio. Um, whereas Twitter is a little bit more all over the place. You can see my art and stuff about my upcoming books, as well as me just sort of talking about whatever movies I'm watching or anime, manga, any stray thoughts that cross my mind. But that's a good place to get at me if you'd like to talk about uh, any of the stuff that we talked about in this episode. And yeah, please, please uh, check out Dragon Racer. Um, It's coming out in June, um, I think mid-June, June 15th or 16th, something like that. Um, so by the time this is out, um, that, like we said, it will be like just around the corner or it will be already out. So please check it out. Um, if you order from Avid Bookshop, uh, A-V-I-D, Avid, uh, you can get a signed copy. The deal with that uh, that I've uh, talked to Avid about is that any pre-ordered books will get signed. But if you've heard, if you happen to hear this and um, it's too late and the book's already out, just go ahead and like leave a note to them in the like uh, order notes that you'd like a signed copy and uh, I will uh, see to it. That's my local shop and they ship to anyone. So uh, yeah, please do check out Dragon Racer as well as Ghost Hog, uh, the previous book and the Merman graphic novel series. And uh, check out Toho Yaro, my um, Japanese film club podcast that I do with uh, Alex Kazanis of the One Piece podcast and our friend V, where every episode we kind of rotate hosts and choose a movie and talk about it, a Japanese film. And you can follow Toho Yaro on Twitter, uh, which is a good spot to let us know uh, any movies you'd like us to cover or uh, guests you'd like us to have on, things like that. Mm. So uh, Black Test Car episode when? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might be a fun one. If if you if you do that, I'll definitely listen to that one. Um, I I feel kind I I feel really bad for like how super behind I am on Toho Yaro, but like uh, when whenever I do like have the chance to listen or whatever, like it is it is a genuinely really great time. I do enjoy that podcast. Yeah, here's something that I would like to say to people that are like new to Toho Yaro. Uh, we kind of switched up our format around episode thirty something, the message from space episode, and going forward from there, like the first. The previous 30 episodes are very thorough. We talk about the movies beat by beat. 
Um, and I wouldn't recommend starting with one of those, even though we cover a lot of like big classics with that, you know, uh, you know, Godzilla, Ikiru, Lady Snowblood, things Tr- like that. Truck Yarrow. Uh, Truck Yarrow. Um, and I think, uh, I would definitely recommend starting with something beyond that, uh, 30 episode mark just to kind of get a feel for what the show's like these days, uh, where we're a little bit more concise in the summary part and, focus a lot more on analysis and fun little segments where we talk about what it would be like as an American remake and uh, who we give awards to for best acting performance and things like that. And after you're kind of a little more ingratiated with the show, maybe choosing an episode for a movie you've seen or haven't seen, but uh, don't mind some spoilers, uh, then you can go back and check out those old ones. Uh, yeah, that's how I recommend tackling that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, uh, like I said, I just I recommend Toho Yaro as like, you know, if, if you're going to listen to like the Babillion movie podcasts that are out there, Toho Yaro is definitely like one of the few that I would like actively recommend. Awesome. Thank you. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you, Joy, for coming on. And uh, I guess, Lum, we can go ahead and uh, transition into community shoutouts if you want to. That's right. I think it's time to make a go, go, go to the community shoutouts. Once again, big thanks to Joey for coming on the show. Uh, we always enjoy having him on, and uh, this will certainly not be the last time we have Joey on, as you've uh, heard at the end of our discussion. We definitely have some big plans uh, to have him back on, hopefully later in the year. Um, but for now, you know, if we haven't already said it enough, uh, please go buy Dragon Racer. You know, it's a very good comic, probably my favorite of Joey's comics so far, I have to be honest. And uh, that is going to be coming out on June 15th. Uh, so about a month from now, whenever you're listening to this. Um, and so, yeah, just buy it wherever comics are sold, uh, wherever digital comics are sold. It'll it'll pretty much be available everywhere. We'll leave links in the show notes. Uh, definitely go check that out. I also just want to shout out the, uh, the Sci-Fi Japan article that we mentioned in the show as well. Um, apparently, uh, it's one article in many of, like, a big, like, sort of kind of coverage on Speed Racer that they were kind of doing at the time that uh, the live-action movie uh, was being released. So, you know, I just kind of pull the curtain back a little bit here. Um, right right before we were we started recording this portion of the show, uh, I almost thought that I lost the article at first because uh, the link I had wasn't working, and I had to really kind of search through Sci-Fi Japan's backlog to... Um, to, to find it again, but I eventually found it and we will leave a link to it in the show notes. Um, personally, I think it's a very comprehensive look at uh, kind of the origins of the Speed Racer manga and Tatsuo Yoshida in particular. 
basically how that started, as well as like Tatsunoko Productions. Uh, like I said in the discussion, that was that's not something I knew about going in. I didn't realize that Tatsuo Yoshida was such an important person in uh, in kind of the industry of uh, Japanese animation in particular. So that was really fun to learn. And that's basically kind of where we pulled a lot of our uh, uh, notes on the production of Speed Racer and its manga. So again, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and I guess one last thing I want to kind of put out there before we head to the community shout outs. You know, I normally wouldn't promote the Patreon this early, but I want to put out there that, uh, you know, like we kind of hinted at in the discussion as well. If you're not a patron of ours at Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash manga mavericks, uh, you might want to do that soon. You might want to sign up soon because at the end of this month, we're going to be putting out a bonus podcast uh, where we talk about the Speed Racer live action movie. You know, it's uh, it's a movie that I have not I, I had not seen up until when we recorded about it. And uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it was a very fun ride. Uh, we definitely had a lot to say about it. Uh, we even invited on an extra guest in the form of Sam Leach from the One Piece podcast who also is a huge fan of this movie, uh, along with Joey. And uh, it was a good discussion, and we're going to be uploading it on our Patreon at the end of the month as a part of our bonus podcast or whatnot. So again, if you're interested in listening to that, please sign up at our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks and give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. I had a lot of fun recording about it, and I, j- I just had a lot of fun watching the Speed Racer movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, check it out. Yeah, it's a fun discussion. You are definitely going to want to become a patron to listen to that as a continuation of our Speed Racer discussion. This one, that movie discussion is fantastic, and that movie is something else. If you have not seen it, definitely check it out. Um, But that's about it for the uh for kind of my editor's notes, I guess. Um, Lum, I know you had some uh, community shoutouts you want to talk about. Indeed, and to expand upon the history of Tatsunoko and great resources to learn more about it, the channel Mercury Falcon has a fantastic history of Tatsunoko retrospective going over the founding and the influence of Tatsunoko. It's a really fantastic video, and in addition, they also have a great retrospective on Speed Racer history being broadcast in North America and its significance in American popular culture because of the context in which it was released. That's one of those very few rare examples of an action cartoon and also why you probably don't remember how violent it was because back in the 60s when it came out, you know, there weren't counting standards. Like, there weren't a ton of them because no one really had any guidelines for, like, how violent a cartoon could be. But then in the 70s, and on, that's when those standards started to be implemented. So the version a lot of people remember as Speed Racer is from the 90s, which was very edited down for broadcast. So it's a very interesting look at that. Definitely check that out. And for a video essay on the Speed Racer movie, and now there are a ton of those, and there's so many, like, it's a, such a beloved film. There's been so many great video essays over here. However, a recent one that I really enjoyed was from Movies with Mikey or Film Joy. They had a great video essay on the movie and how the Wachowskis used the film really more as a form of true expression and kind of how it fits into the filmography of like how older movies is about using the medium of film to like comment and critique like power structures and corrupt systems so it's a super super great analysis of the film of its visual style and how like it fits into the filmography and how it works as just a p- form of pure extraction and art 
Like, it was a super great video essay on the film, so definitely check that out. Now, that does it for my Speed Racer-specific and related shoutouts, but I do have a few things to follow up on previous talking points and community shoutouts and this or discussions. This includes a follow-up on Blue Box and Candy Flurry. The Multimercy Manga Club's latest podcast episode had a pretty good discussion on both series. They were more lukewarm than we were, but I think they brought up some interesting criticisms of those series, and also just some interesting thoughts on what they thought they were their strengths in general. So I'd highly recommend checking that up for another follow-up, an alternative take on those series. I also want to shout out to Nami Fate season four of Attack on Titan discussion, which really was very even-handed in discussing like the strengths of the storytelling material and its commentary, but also a lot of the uncomfortable weaknesses where CJ really took the lead on that, you know, because of his background being Jewish and how he has reacted to the show and just the ways in which it turns it off and how the show feels very irresponsible in its appropriation of real history and specifically Holocaust imagery in its context. So that's a very valuable discussion and I highly encourage you to check it out because it's very, very thoughtful. And it touches on some very important topics when it comes to Attack on Titan that is really worth keeping in mind. And then finally, I want to recommend the Nen Show's latest reads through, which is on Dragon Ball, which I've been very enjoying. They've just covered through basically the pre-Z material. And they've been having a lot of fun going through the material. I've been having a lot of fun listening to them discuss their thoughts in the series, what they've picked up on in terms of some things that were seated on the way, some Toriyama's strengths as a storyteller and the character writing. Like, it's just really fun listening to hear their thoughts. And I'm excited to hear their thoughts on the Z, quote-unquote, portion of the series going forward. So definitely check out that as well and that about does it for my community shoutouts for this time but I'm sure I'll have even more next time because there's a lot of cool stuff people have been doing recently that I've been eager to check in on and eager to recommend to you when I do so yeah but I think that's about does it for shout outs. So I think like Speed Racer, we're going to have to speed off into the sunset. Or maybe like Racer Rex, we're going to just punch out and then fly away in a helicopter never to be seen again. Like at the end of the Speed Racer anime. <laughs> yeah yeah um i guess before we head out of the show here i guess uh do we want to talk about the next episode of the podcast that should be coming out after this one yes it's our long-awaited demon slayer retrospective which is going to be quite a switch from this one like we're talking about a classic you're talking about a modern classic demon slayer is certainly going to be remembered as a classic for the ages considering its cultural impact and significance so yeah demon slayer you know it's been an appropriate time to discuss the series since we're about five years out from when it started it was one of the very first jump starts we covered when we began the show and of course it's like one of the biggest manga in the world right now and it's just perfect especially with the movies that coming out of breaking all these records like this is the time demon slayer and of course we talked about our good friends from the demon slayer podcast v lords akaki Mirian. we gathered them up to just have a great respect 
of, of Demon Slayer discussing its storytelling, its themes, characters, all the works. It's a fantastic conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it if you want, like, a good compact primer on everything that is great about Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I really can't wait for you guys to listen to that. It was a good discussion. I'm editing it right now as uh, as you're listening to this, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, that should be the next episode coming out after this one. So uh, look forward to that. Um, but until then, we should start plugging our stuff. Lum, where can the good people find you? You can find me at LumRumiyasha on Twitter and as LumRumiyasha a variety of places like Animation Revelation and Analyst Rotors of LumRumiyasha. That's where you can find me. You can read my reviews on AutoShikama.com. we got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out, so look forward to more on there. You can also find on there all the related podcasts that you show that I do by myself, including Manga Riverside Movies, the show where we primarily talk about anime movies, but sometimes some other ones. And hashtag Lums, go out of the show where I host with my good friend Andrew AC Yoshimura, discussing the wonderful wacky world of Rumu Takahashi's Yurziatsura. We've been catching up on the manga releases from this media, but now that we have caught up, we're going into the movies, starting off with the first movie, Only You, and we're definitely going to have a, an interesting discussion on that film, and we're excited to get into the films or the anime in general, and yeah, so look forward to more episodes of Lum Squad, and you can also find that on its own feed, basically anywhere we also post manga mavericks like it's also on apple Podcasts and Spotify, by and whatnot and you can follow that on twitter at lum underscore squad and if you like the art i do for my podcast and the art i make in general animations illustrations and the like you can find all of that on my instagram at sitartworks mm-hmm, for sure can i just shout out one thing before i go into my stuff that i think people should check out of yours is um your review of i think our son is gay volume one um i thought it was a good review and uh, i saw that uh, people were really like picking up on it and reading it and retweeting it and stuff and uh, i think people should check it out oh thank you yeah that series definitely hit me in a really special place like i definitely really resonated and jived with it and yeah, like, I highly encourage you to check it out. Like, especially if you're, you know, a, a queer person who, like, even if you didn't have a supportive parent, or especially if you did, like, it, it really hits a, a very special, special nerve. It's such a sweet story. So definitely check that out. I have a lot of more reviews of some great uh, queer manga coming up as well that like we're super super good and i'm excited to talk about i think our son is gay and some other series like boys on the riot with the translator of them leo in a future podcast so look forward to that coming up in sometime in the next couple of months yeah uh, a lot of good stuff coming down your way um but as for my stuff you can find me on twitter uh, i'm colton by the way you can find me on twitter at sniper king 323 uh, I also host and produce a few other podcasts besides this one uh, that you can basically find links to over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, over there, I have a page dedicated with links to whatever podcasts I'm doing at the moment, uh, including this one and uh, One Podcast Prevails, uh, where I talk about Detective Conan slash Case Closed, uh, the manga with my good friend Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast, um, and basically a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't have to that's why I have a page. I don't want to have to go down everything. Um, again, that's at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. 
Um, but as for uh, all comic in the podcast, uh, basically you can find every episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.coms where you can find every episode first, unless you are a patron of ours, once again, at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, which I did talk about a little earlier in the show, but just to kind of go through the spiel again real quick, uh, if you sign up for the $2 tier in particular, you'll get early access to at least some of our episodes of the podcast before they're supposed to go up on our main feed. Uh, sometimes we have some of these podcasts edited early and we need a place to put them. So we put them up on our Patreon. Um, for instance, if you're, if you were a patron of ours, you could have listened to the Speed Racer podcast a whole month ahead of time. Like we, we already had this done and you could have listened to it for only $2 before it went up on the main feed. Uh, that's basically the example of many podcasts that we usually get done early and put up on our Patreon. And so, yeah, sign up for that tier or once again, sign up for our $5 tier uh, where we post at least one bonus podcast at the end of every month. Uh, once again, look, please look forward to our review of the live action Speed Racer movie from the Wachowski siblings from 2008. Once again, it's a really good discussion. And if you want more Speed Racer talk, uh, that's where you will find it. Uh, that'll be posted at the end of this month. Uh, and you can basically find this and more over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash mavericks. It's really the best way for you guys to uh, support us and kind of keep the lights on. Basically support everything we do here. Uh, and we just we just appreciate your patronage. And we appreciate it so much that if you sign up for any tier, no matter how much you donate to us, we'll shout you out on the next episode of the podcast that we're supposed to record after you sign up. Because we just appreciate your guys' patronage that much. Uh, once again, patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, but that's enough of that. So as for everything else, you can find us over on uh, facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow manga mavericks specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at manga mavericks.tumblr.com. Uh, both are a great way to get the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, where we post different excerpts of the show as well as even some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, email us anything at manga mavericks at gmail.com. Do you have any thoughts on Speed Racer or do you have any thoughts on uh, Joey's comics such as Dragon Racer, Merman, uh, any, any of his works? Um, do you have anything that you're reading that you want to tell us about or anything that you're reading that uh, you want to hear us talk about on the show? Uh, email us anything about manga, the podcast, whatever, and we will read it on the show. We love getting emails. Again, that's at mavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on so many different platforms at this point. Uh, but especially on Apple Podcasts in particular, uh, leave us a rating and review uh, because it really helps the visibility of our show on that platform in particular. And just in general, we love getting feedback from you guys. We, we take all feedback very seriously, and we try to use that feedback as a way to make the show even better. So yeah, I think that's going to be about it for everything. Uh, this has been episode 159 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com. And we'll see you guys next time for episode 160. Bye, guys. Sayonara! Sayonara!